Oh, hello, and welcome to another episode of Shocking, Lurid Tawdry, a history of American scandals, the podcast that tells you about the scandals that America forgot. I'm Mark Pikert, one of your two co-hosts. And I'm Casey Howe, the other co-host. And we are in for a treat today, I assume. You know what? That's on me. I shouldn't assume that Casey's <laughs> uh, scandal is a treat. It could be a dud. It could be real boring. Who knows? Who knows? It's time for everything. Uh, so uh, true. You never know. You never much know. Much like uh, you roasting a chicken and cooking vegetables in <laughs> yes! your spotless kitchen. I know. Well, I didn't do it in my kitchen. That would be ridiculous. Uh, um, the oven that I have just has it has stuff in it. Like there's its storage yeah. unit. Mm-hmm. So I always have to remind anybody who comes over not to turn on the oven because um, plastic in an oven is not a good idea. So, um, yeah. But yes, I roasted a chicken and I made um, fingerling potatoes. It was a whole French-inspired meal. I don't know what it was, but I... Um, I did it and I never ever cooked. So it was a big accomplishment. I felt really like good about myself. I was pretty sassy on Friday or Saturday. I was like pretty, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was kind of peacocking myself. So, you know, you know, I alternate between, I can barely be mm-hmm. bothered to heat up ramen for dinner <laughs> for myself to I'm cooking Salisbury steak from scratch. I love that. I know. I thought that was such a cute look for you this weekend from a mushroom inspiration, right? Yeah, I just, mm-hmm. I was really craving mushrooms. And then they had a lot of mushrooms on, and I've got a, a stand for me, a grocery store that specializes in fruit and vegetables. This is riveting, oh, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> but we have a 39 cent bin, which is basically like ugly or Oh, yeah, 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 right. Sure, sure. Very common so, in, in New York. Yes. Honestly, I just show up every day, see what they've got. They usually sell a lot of greens. Like, yeah, I'll fill yeah. a bag full of spinach and then- sure toss that and because i'm not eating spinach raw i'm putting it in something it's going to wilt down anyway who cares <laughs> i love that i love that we had culinary adventures so exciting. you know what we have to we have to stay calm occasionally and sometimes especially in october we just want to peacock around and roast a chicken make salisbury True. steak from scratch while our neighbors there scream at one another downstairs <laughs> i'm sorry yes, that is scary they don't scream at one another she screams at him. Right, right. Yes, Mark is um is not is reluctantly or um what is it like when you don't choose to, you're not you're not choosing to be witness to no. some sort of domestic argument that's I've happening. Been, I've been cast but as uh, he's been forced to the narrator. Yes, of the lives yes. of the couple below me. Yes, and it's still a mystery. We'll find out if they make it or not. Please stay tuned to uh, well, Mark's Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah, they got engaged. So, well, I don't know if it's still on based on last night. Well, I yeah, mean, last night oof. she said, "I don't even, I don't even want to marry you anymore." I know. Uh, I feel like that's a comment you can't come back from. You know, I feel like if that, I don't, I don't know how you kind of like come back the next day and they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that." I don't really defend you know statement. What? I never hear the apologies or like the whispered reconciliations. Yeah. So I really don't know what their relationship is like other than her yeah. screaming at him for uh, acknowledging the existence of other women. Now you'd think that, you know, that would probably go hand it. Like you'd, you'd hear, you know, if you were loud one way, sometimes you're loud the other way too, but I guess that's not now, really a pillar of their relationship. We have, there has been loud love making heard. Not recently. Okay. That was my question. But there that has been question. loud love making heard as well. Okay. Okay. So there is, um, they, they do coincide. Okay. 
She's a very passionate yeah. person. Okay. Understand. But you know what I want? I want to talk about <laughs> something scandalous that has no bearing at all on my home life. Okay. Well, that's what I'm here for. Good news. This is the, the retelling of a story that got lost to um, the podcast gods. So today we are going to talk about Boss Tweed and the Tweed Ring and his escape to Spain. <laughs> so I know. So this one, um, so I'm going to shorten essentially the first story, the first way I told it, I realized was um, quite long um, and not so interesting. So we're going to kind of skip over, skip over some of the beginning parts and really get to the good stuff. So um, I apologize if I should have done a two-parter for this and explained more about Boss Tweed, but I am just assuming that it, the name does ring a bell from our history books um, in eighth grade. Now, it won't yours, Mark, because we know that you only learned Texas history. So yeah. that's a, you know, well, I'll fill you in, fill you in later. You know, Boss Tweed, <laughs> Tammany Hall. You got, got it. it. See? Check. So just a few fun facts um, to get us started. So, um, William Tweed was born in 1823. He was born in New York City on Cherry Street. Um, grew up, they were they weren't poor, they weren't super rich, very middle of the class, middle middle of the road sort of group, but had plenty of had food, had all of that. So no like big hardships or whatnot growing up. Um, New York politics at the time in the 1800s was really made up of private social clubs. So Tammany Hall was just a social club. It was just, there was also like a Carnegie club and a this and a that. And so it was just one of many private social clubs um, that really ran politics. So these men would get together, yeah. decide who they want to nominate, go out and gather like up the votes from other ones. Exactly. You got it. Um, another interesting thing to keep in mind is that at this time, um, it, up until Andrew Jackson's presidency, there were, um, which was the 1820s. So after the 1820s, um, you, uh, there was no longer a property requirement to vote. So before that, you had to own property to be eligible to vote. So that got eliminated after Jackson's presidency. So now what happened is it opened up all of these working class men, because remember, still not the ladies, um, white men that could now vote, <laughs> that could now vote that before were never able to vote. So um, that's what it is. So it's sort of a changing dynamics in politics at the time. Um, and that's something that really uh, the Tweed and Tammany Hall leveraged. So what they decided to do and how they were going to sort of gain more power over New York politics um, was to go out and use that new group of people as a voting block and say, hey, vote our way. We're the ones who can really help you out. We're the ones who are listening to you. Whereas all the other social clubs and halls, for lack of a better term, kind of turned their nose up at these people. And they said, oh, no, they're beneath us. We can't possibly campaign to them or speak to them. We need to talk about, you know, property rights and all of this other, all these other things. So they missed out on this huge group of immigrants and working class people. And that's really what gave Tammany Hall the edge to start controlling New York politics. Um, I'll make sense. It was there, it was there Minnesota. It was there Minnesota. What do you mean? Oh no. Which, which state did Hillary Clinton <laughs> not visit enough? 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Yes, yes. exactly. You got it. You got it. Yes. No. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. So, I like that you didn't even try to feign like you knew where I was going with this. You were just like, I don't. I'm telling a story. What the fuck are you bringing Minnesota no. into this for? I was like, Minnesota. I don't even think Minnesota was a state at that point. No. It's fair. It's fair. Anyway, so sorry. sorry. I was Please just I was back in my eight, 1800s mindset. No, no, no. Um, so, so essentially Tammany Hall, um, is run by Tweed and what gets called the Tweed Ring, which is made up of, um, four people. So it's Tweed himself, who was kind of, they called him the boss. He was kind of like the the strategist, the overseer. Here's how we're going to do this. Um, the mayor, um, Mayor Oakey Hall, the mayor of New York City. Um, he was the face of it. He loved to go out and talk to people and be like, this is, you know, give speeches and all of that. Richard Con- Conley was, was there. Sweeney was the lawyer. So he was kind of the brains behind it of how far can we push this and what works and what doesn't and what the options are. Um, so these guys get into power and they essentially um, start running big contracts through New York and through them. Um, The basic graft was that city contractors essentially needed to include a 15% gratuity for the politicians who approved their contracts. So it sort of dates back, I don't know if you remember the Spiro Agnew bribery scheme. It was bribery, but bribery was not technically illegal yet. (laughs) So they were like, well, no one says we can't, so let's go ahead and do that. So, um, so these contractors needed to essentially pay them off to win the contract. Um, but they really took it to the next level. And this was really custom customary across not just New York politics, but sort of all over, um, you know, Philadelphia and all these, um, cities at the time was 15%. Um, that goes, that's a kickback for the politicians and they'll approve your contract and off you go. Um, these guys said, I don't think that's enough. I think we can get a little more. So they upped it from anywhere between 30% all the way to 50%. So you were paying a 50% upcharge to get your contract in the city of New York. What? (laughs) How did anything get done? They just, whoever was willing to pay for it, that was who got the contract. Yep. So, um... And so what happened was these, they would keep, obviously, like, keep the money, but they had to um, spend it in some capacity or at least make it look like that contract money was being used. So it wasn't a total, like, off-the-top gratuity. You had to account for it in the books. So, but everyone knew, quote-unquote, that they were that they were skimming, essentially, off of this from these contractors. But they had to show it somewhere. So because that was essentially taxpayer money, right? These They were using taxpayer money and they were using, um, this was all supposed to get applied, like all the work was supposed to get applied to help the taxpayers. So um, there was, so, so what happened was in order to account for that 50% skim in a contract, what they did was there was an example that, that the courthouse was built, not the same courthouse, a different courthouse at the time, And the line item for the number of chairs contained enough money to buy 314,000 chairs. (laughs) Oh, my. And 
so all yeah. of this. <clears throat> Look, come on, guys, you can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they had there was something else with like the the carpet in the courthouse was enough carpeting to fill like 20 courthouses. So it was and so essentially they had the line item but then they just never bought the product. Yeah. So they just kept it. Yeah. So um and they never spent it on anything else. So it was not they were essentially ripping off the taxpayers from not spending the money. <laughs> um at the, there were three to four years in at the real height of this whole scheme. Um, they were said to have essentially collected anywhere between 45 and $200 million in $870 or 18, 18, sorry, in $1870. Um, in today's money, that would just, it'd be billions. So people like can't, there's no equation for it. They're like, it would be billions. We can't even calculate it. So um, Tweed himself became very wealthy, as you can imagine, um, not just from the city treasury skimming. Um, people also showered him with gifts. So people who wanted their contracts done were just like, well, we'll also just bribe you directly because while we're at it. Um, a group of friends one year for Christmas gave him a um, 15 carat diamond shirt pin which I think last time we talked about this and we were trying to compare it to Beyonce's ring and it was like half the size. Oh, the VVS stones. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then it was also said that his daughter's wedding gifts totaled over a million dollars in $1870. Um, so boss tweet is doing okay. Yeah. He's doing good. He's doing good. Yeah. They had, he had lots of boats, lots of houses, starts buying up property, starts getting on boards, starts running railroads. And yeah. I bet he's more than happy with the status quo and has no ambitions beyond just plateauing and raking in this money. Right. Correct. That's sort of his plan. At one yeah. point he tried to go to, this was before he got a lot of power in New York. He tried to, um, he ran for Congress and got elected and went to, I think it was, where were we then? I know the White House was built. So so he went to DC and he absolutely hated it. He was like, oh, this place not for me. <laughs> got to yeah. go back to New York. Oh, they have way too many rules here. It's ridiculous. I get it. So he really narrowed in on New York politics and said, that's my spot. Yeah. That's where I got it. So um, the peak years are between 1868 and 1871. Um, the downfall began in July of 1871. Um, so James or Jimmy O'Brien was elected sheriff in 1867 with Tweed's backing. So Tweed essentially, if he backed you, he would say, okay, you run for this office. I'll go out and gather up the votes. Um, and he, um, so he, so, so Jimmy gets elected sheriff in 1868. Jimmy then helps in 18 or 18, sorry, he gets elected in 1867. In 1868, there's an election to reelect Tweed and his group like the mayor and things like that um and jimmy as, as sheriff goes around and helps him get elected by um escorting voters from polling place to polling place yeah. so they can vote vote multiple times well that's really then, nice yeah i know it's nice to have a shuttle it's good yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then he also um, arrests all of like just as he's at different polling places, his um, deputies then just go ahead and arrest the voting inspectors because that would be pesky. They just get in the way. Nobody needs those. So two well, birds with one stone. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> and if you're going to do it, just offense, defense, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Um. So after he helps Tweed get elected, he goes to his office and says, okay, I want my cut, like pay me because I helped you. And Tweed decides, no, I think it's going to take a little more, Jimmy. You just go back and wait. Like, I don't, I don't think you're really doing enough for us yet. So yeah. Um, Jimmy does not take so kindly to that. He kind of now has a bit of a chip on his shoulder about it and you know, which we can see. Um, but in 1870, he got a, um, break. So he ended up being able to place a, a friend of his, or at least a confidant, um, in the comptroller's office, in Conley's office. So he got somebody in his office to say, um, why don't you keep an eye on things and see what's what? And the guy ends up coming back and saying, um, yeah, there's some fishy stuff going on. The books don't quite match. It's not really, the money doesn't make sense. Um, and O'Brien says, okay, why don't you just start taking notes and seeing what's what and get back to me, just bring it to me and I'll figure out, you know, what we're going to do with it. So the guy collects some evidence and he comes back to O'Brien and um, O'Brien's like, all right, thanks so much. You know, go back to work the next day. Everything's fine. Um, and he then goes into, he's, he has his evidence and he goes marching back into boss Tweed's office and says, Hey, I got this. I'm going to report it unless you pay me. And Tweed says, no, I'm not going to pay you. Just pay this poor man. Pay this poor man. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So um, Tweed essentially says, no, um, I don't care and get the fuck out of my office. So O'Brien, again, sort of like sulks back and is pissed about it for a couple days. And then he decides, no, I'm not letting this go. And he goes to the New York Times. So there were really only two publications at the time that were saying anything bad about Tweed because um, the way that the, the way that the newspaper business is set up is they depend on advertising and Tweed owned a number of businesses that would pay the papers to advertise. Hmm. Um, so in order to not familiar. lose. Yeah. <laughs> so in order to not lose that revenue, they were very, um, they would never say anything bad about Tweed. But the New York Times had a rep- had a, a reputation that they they would they would say you know this isn't this doesn't look right this isn't normal. The other um, publication was Harper's Weekly. Harper's Weekly was the publication that started um, running uh, cartoons of Tweed. So that you might have seen those in your in your history books where like he's got a money sack and he's you know stomping down the street. Um, so they would publish that. The cartoonist name that did that was Thomas Nast, and it really launched his career. And he was a very, very famous um, cartoonist from then on. Um, just another fun fact. So um, the Times says, 
yeah, we'll look into this and it checks out and they start publishing. So um, the Tweed Ring, they thought they were safe for a little while. The articles were coming out, but they didn't name anybody. So they were just like people in government, people in government, people in government. Um, but then there were too many specifics and the public started like lining up that, wait a second, I think it's those guys. Like, wait, they control the money. And the mayor said, what? And huh? So they start piecing it together. Um, and uh, then lawyers get involved and they go after um, Conley and say, hey, you got to, you know, are you, what's going to happen here? Um, how is this, how's this all going to shake out? And Conley flips. So Conley says, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> so he, he completely <laughs> flips. Um, and the, um, and so then, so then they say, okay. So once they have his testimony, essentially the lawyers say, fine, um, we're going to go to Albany and get a warrant to, um, to arrest Tweed. So they do. Tweed gets arrested. The rest of the ring flees. They peace out. They leave the country. They're like, bye. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, yeah. So Conley, um, the, the, uh, the flipper, if you will, um, he goes to Europe and then Egypt. So very exotic. Um, Sweeney takes off to Paris. And um, some of the contractors who were implicated get out of the country as well. They go to Canada. Um, Oakley actually sticks, sticks around. So the mayor sticks around. He's like, no, 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 we got this. Nobody panic. And everybody else is like, we're panicked. <laughs> yeah. So um, meanwhile, so now we're at 1872 or 1871. And um, the, uh, there's an election happening right around the corner. And Tweed's got to run again. So who says I can't run from jail? So um, he does. And he gets reelected. He makes bail. They set bail at a million dollars. Um, and he makes bail, which everyone's like, hmm, like, I know you're rich, but how'd you make bail? So it turns out somebody paid for his bail. And this one is a blast from our past, a one Mr. Jay Gould of the Erie Railroad and October yep. uh, and, and the original Black Friday um, of that fame yep. of the Jay Gould and Mr. Fisk empire. That's um, right. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, don't worry, Will, I gotcha. And he pays a million dollar bail and gets him out of, out of jail. So, um, so yes, so he wins the election. Um, Tweed faces two trials on this, so they do end up charging him two trials. The first in 1873 is a hung jury, um, and then the second quickly followed thereafter, and um, he was convicted in, of 204 counts of misdemeanor fraud and sentenced to 12 years on Blackwell's Island. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. he served uh -huh. all of it. <laughs> Yes. And then shortly thereafter, he died peacefully in his sleep one night. Mm -hmm. um, no. So that sentence was actually ended up being overturned on a legal technicality. It was some sort of like, <laughs> you can't 
you couldn't charge like each each misdemeanor had to be its own trial at the time like you couldn't lump them all together and try them all at the same time or some technicality uh, like that so they're like oh we gotta throw it out shoot um but he gets quickly rearrested on civil charges so um and this time the they were they said um they said all right you're not getting out of prison or this time or jail this time um now the bail's three million dollars and they held him in the Ludlow Street jail. Um, and then, um, so the Ludlow Street jail is a debtor's prison. So it's a civil, it was a civil prison at the time. It was not um, a criminal prison. So um, fun fact, the uh, a debtor's prison was not as strict as, um, as other prisons at the time. So they would actually let you go out sometimes, obviously supervised, but they would let you go out. You could do this, you could do that. Um, Tweed ended up, not surprisingly, getting some extra perks. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um, he was able to go to his son's house or ride in the park or, you know, do things mm-hmm. like that. So one night, the warden takes him to his um, son's house for dinner. And, um, you know, Tweed just says, ah, you know what? Gotta run upstairs real quick. Just gonna look and see if I left that thing in the cabinet. So you gotta have that everybody's thing. like... Yeah, you got to get the thing. So he goes up to get the thing and he just casually never comes back. So, yeah. He was so, a ghost? He was a ghost. And he just, and then he died and haunted the house for the rest of time. Yes. So all of a sudden, they're at, like, the warden and his son are at dinner downstairs. And his son's like, hmm, I think I should go check on Pa, see what he's up to goes upstairs he's vanished nowhere to be found i'm assuming he left a window open and um yes he had arranged that someone would um come and pick him up on the street and take him to the hudson river where he escaped to new jersey um he holed up in a cabin for a couple weeks and then the next step yeah and then the next step in the plan was to go to uh, to staten island because fun fact, um, Staten Island was not a part of New York then. So he was still out of the jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, and then they decided um, from Staten Island, time to get to Florida. Because always a safe bet. <laughs> get to Florida. Yeah. So then Anything they travel goes. by boat. Anything goes in Florida, even back then. Uh, especially back then. The um, So then once he gets to Florida, he then goes by boat to Cuba. And then decides Cuba's not it. I'm going to Spain. And he gets, he, so he ends up going all the way to Spain because Spain did not have an extradition treaty at the time. So um, yes. So he's doing all of this um, boat travel. And um, apparently he is wildly prone to seasickness. So he ends up losing like a ton of weight. <laughs> Over this amount of time. That's because great. he's, I mean, health first, right? Whatever it takes. That's what we you know, always say. Gwen Shandlin would be so proud of him. <laughs> she would say that he just got closer to God. That's right. Good for him. God loves him more now. So that's exciting. God can squeeze you tighter when you're thin. Mm, that's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, that. Please stay tuned for an upcoming episode. <laughs> Oh, that's out. Oh, no. 
Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah, that's out. That's out already. <laughs> oh, I'm so on top of our our episode releases. <laughs> you show uh, up though. You show up on time, and that's more than I know, can do. Sometimes, sometimes. Um. So, so, so he's now escaped to Spain. Um, needless to say, the local and federal authorities are none too pleased. Um, oh. Yeah, they're like, ooh, this is not a cute look. We just lost our biggest, um, you know, criminal in a while. Anyway, um, so not only that, but the public is also outraged, rightly so. Um, at the time, Grant is president. And again, poor Grant. Oof, that guy cannot catch a break. <laughs> Um, there is Grant's successor. Now Grant has served, um, two terms and is now sort of, um, ready to, uh, turn over the reins, but he's going to turn over the reins to, um, Rutherford B. Hayes. That is his chosen candidate to succeed him. Um, Hayes is running against a fellow named Samuel Tilden, who is involved in the Tweed case. He's a New York lawyer. So he's involved in the Tweed case. And in order to make Tilden look bad and Hayes look good, um, Grant decides that he's going to try and, and negotiate for Tweed's return so that it looks like this government can take care of things and that crazy Tilden in New York can't keep his shit together. So he um, so he goes and negotiates, so Grant goes and negotiates, not goes, but negotiates with Spain, gets Spain to cooperate and extradite Tweed. And they say, okay, fine, we'll do it. But the problem is, is that um, they don't have a picture of him. So no one knows what he looks like in Spain. Yeah. So um, not to worry, because the cartoonist comes to the rescue and they end up sending <laughs> Spain <laughs> as a country cartoons of Boss Tweed to try and find him. But uh, yeah. he's skinny now. I know. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he just went to Spain and then just got himself a bunch of tapas and like right back at you. I mean, you know, potentially. Hey. I mean, so. But I, I, the cartoons just, worked. The cartoons worked. So they found him. They brought him <laughs> back. Hayes ends up winning the election anyway, and Tweed actually doesn't get back until um, until after the election. So it really is like, doesn't help or hurt anybody is, you know, but at least they got him back. Um, and when he got back, essentially, um, Tweed was done. This was, this was the end. Everybody hated him. Um, he tried to make a last resort and, and negotiate with prosecutors to give a full confession in exchange uh, for being able to live out his last days in his family's home. So he didn't have to go to prison. Um, the they say um they say okay yeah you can come in and you can testify in front of Tammany Hall and tell you know tell your whole story um he ends up testifying for 11 days and he tells all about the corruption and the fraudulent schemes um and afterwards they say you know you have to go back to jail and then we'll arrange for your you know transfer and essentially, once he gets back in jail, they say, no, you'll be there. Don't care that you testified. Deal's off. So um, he ends up um, spending the 
rest of his days in prison, which was actually only a few months. He died just a few months after all of this nonsense. And um, yes, that is Boss Tweed and his grand escape. So <laughs> first of all, I really went top of snow. I know. So true. Sorry. That's on me. That's on me. Uh, second of all, a lot of people just die at a very convenient time. Or maybe it's just two skinnels <laughs> that I have coming up where it's like, and then all this dramatic shit happened and then he died. So it was all moot and nothing changed. Oh, two. So true. Two of my upcoming scandals hinge on like, and the resolution was one of them died. Yes. <laughs> but Boss Tweed, So then you know case what? closed. Yes. He was an eagle and he could not be confined in a prison. <laughs> he had to be free. He had to soar. Yes. Yes. And I think that the reviews are quite mixed on him in the sense that, yes, he was very corrupt, but we don't remember him for any of these shenanigans. We just remember him as like, he's that corrupt one in New York politics, but they don't get into sort of like how it worked or why or how much money they actually stole. Well, um, and it makes yeah. it seem very Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Like you, yes. You, yes. Like all of this in context yes. makes all of this seem very Ocean's Eleven where you just yeah. have crazy Motley crew. And they're just doing the best that they can. Yeah. And it's not as if the robber barons paying them to build buildings were lily white and virtuous no. either. Yeah. They were yeah. just, they were like Robin Hood. Yes. They were like, I mean, they were just stealing from the contractors to pay themselves. Yeah. But you know what? They started out poor <laughs> and they worked their way up to outcast. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Which is all, which is the American dream. I mean, I saw that about the housewives. I know. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Poor to outcast. Done. It's a straight line. Mm -hmm. Poor yes. boss Tweed. We only remember him mm -hmm. as a corpulent, corrupt man. Yeah. And he was so much more. He got skinny. That's true. Well, and also I think there's this underlying thing with Tweed too of like he was a, a man of the people and like he had he did all these public works and he did do a lot of public works as part of his scheming so that he could get more contracts so he would like fix a road but then keep you know but for 50 percent more right so the people were like oh he was so nice there was also a um what happened right after this was the panic of 1873 which basically Bank bankrupt the city amongst other things. So it sort of washed out all of these public works and initiatives and things like that. So shortly thereafter, they were like, oh, can we just go back to the Tweed days when he was stealing from us? But at least we had our potholes fixed. So like, it's a very <laughs> weird juxtaposition of like, he was big on unions. Well, not really. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I so, mean, that's just, it's what his history is told by the victors. And so we get, yes. um, increasingly we get Richard Nixon opened up China and Watergate was just like a series of misunderstandings. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, mm, uh, yeah. Too soon. Too soon. Uh, and then LBJ, like the great society has been completely eradicated and it's Vietnam. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. And, no, I think trade, it's... Like, and you know what? Bribery wasn't even illegal. So we can't judge him by that. <laughs> Yes, I'm I'm sure that several new laws were created as a direct result of this. So, you know, maybe he's a real champion for bureaucracy and, that's more, and regulation. That's more public works. 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. So Boss sweet American hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh my goodness. So yeah. yes. So what do you think? Shocking, lurid, tawdry? Uh, I think it's more shocking than lurid or tawdry. <laughs> there weren't enough lady friends in it to be either That's of those true. things. That's true. Uh, also, I also, I just, yeah. I really want, I really want the movie of uh, tracing him from uh, <laughs> Jersey to Staten Island to Florida to Spain. I know. Well, and also I picture him as like this really portly guy, which he was. So, like, I want to see the scene of him trying to get out that window. Like, I want to know. <laughs> yes. I, I was mean, like, this... I just need to know the sheer logistics of how someone, did someone like have to push him out? Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory style? Well, or... now remember back in the day, there were servant staircases. So maybe he just snuck down the back way. Ooh, possibly. But I don't that know. That would I make more sense. Coming. That would make more sense. I know. I don't remember if there was an, in the research that I did, if it was like he went out through the window or if they knew how he got out of the house, technically. But I don't know. Uh <laughs> So yes, uh, I'd completely forgotten that he escaped to Spain. But then <laughs> I, I was hoping so. Completely forgotten about those two episodes that we recorded because I think those were the ones we recorded when I got back from Texas. Potentially, yeah. And potentially, I, was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Everybody said I had to come back to New York, so I'm here. What do you want? What do you want from me? <laughs> and then I saw literally no one. Yes. Oh, the blissful times. Uh. Truly. Uh, yes. Uh, well yes. done, Boss Tweed. I'm glad that we got him okay. back in here. Yes, yes. I hope I hope we didn't miss him. But um, yes. And I think, yes, this was a, a little more of the fun parts of that story rather than, uh, you know, his growing up and becoming a firefighter. Who cares? Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. Guys, that's on you. Do your own research. You that's can't right. rely on us for everything, okay? That's so true. And just remember, if you're thinking about escaping the country, just check your extradition treaties. See who has them, see who doesn't. Important and to that's know. that's the tea. <laughs>